Well, I felt like the Lord directed me to uh, the scriptures, first of all, in Revelation chapter 3. We'll be reading verses 10 through 13. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 52. Revelation chapter 3, beginning at verse 10. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out, and I will write upon him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my new name. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and the 52nd verse, we have this scripture concerning the coming of the Lord. And the admonition is that in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. Let us pause for a moment of prayer. Father, you know our need of your help today. We pray that you will quicken our heart and mind anew. We ask the Lord to make the truth clear to our hearts that together we may understand that which we have to look forward to this morning. We are glad for the blessed hope that you give us, that you're coming back again to deliver us out of this present evil world. We're thankful for the blessed reality of knowing that we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ and help us, Lord, to ever hold fast to our faith that we may hear thee say, well done, when we face thee at the judgment bar of God. Help thy servant now, we pray. Lord, speak to our hearts as only you can. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. There's another scripture that I'd like to incorporate uh, a bit with this truth this morning, and that's John, St. John chapter 12. You will know that that chapter gives us the story of the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. And uh, what a beautiful account it gives as the people surrounded him and uh, prepared the way for him to enter into Jerusalem triumphantly. They did that which wasn't absolutely necessary. They were not commanded to take palm branches and, and pave the way for him. No doubt it was not a concrete road. It was probably a dusty and a, 
a dirty pathway that led into Jerusalem. But we recognize the fact that they wanted to honor him in some way or other. And furthermore, uh, we see the fact that uh, Jesus himself uh, called for the most uh, innocent of animals, a unbroken donkey, that he might have a, a way of riding into the town. And the people put their clothes upon the donkey in order to uh, perhaps protect him from any of the effects of riding on that animal that uh, no doubt had not been prepared and cleansed or bathed in order to give him a very uh, clean uh, trip into the town. But I cite those things simply to remind us that if we're going to make heaven... If we're going to truly follow Jesus and honor him, there are things in our life that we want to do to please him and honor him that are not necessarily commandments in the word of God. They're not necessarily something that stands out as an awful vice or an awful sin. But the fact that he delights in anything that we do to please him and to glorify his name. If we really love him, we are looking forward to his coming again. And in that text, in that lesson in John chapter 12, as you read through that story, the thought is given thus, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, thy king cometh. Fear not, my dear friends, this morning, The world's looking worse, it seems, every day. The terrible things that are happening around the world almost are enough to cause you to feel unnerved about going anywhere, just kind of hiding someplace where you feel safely sheltered. We recognize that there are things on the agenda in our nation that we are certainly not happy about. But we can't do much about that. We can't stop it ourselves. We must recognize that in these perilous times, it is exactly what God has told us is going to happen in the last days. There will be many things that we don't understand. Many evils that will trouble the world and terrible things are sure to come. But he gives us that call of assurance Fear not, for God has given us promises. He has given us assurance that he's in control and he's coming back again. And he's going to deliver us out of this present evil world one way or another. And I'm grateful for that assurance this morning. So with that thought in mind, fear not, behold, thy king cometh. I'd like to talk to you just a little while this morning on the thoughts of when the king comes. What can we anticipate when the king comes? I'm not looking at the dark side of this aspect this morning. I'm looking at the brighter side. The blessed reality that he gives us of when he comes, what is going to take place. I see in the scripture that when the king comes, there will be the resurrection of the sleeping. 
The saints that have gone on before are going to rise from the grave. We've always been given the picture that the gravestones would tumble over and and uh, people would rise out of the grave. I'm not absolutely convinced that that's actually going to happen because the Lord can lift the spirit of our being without all of that action. I'm convinced that God has a way of simply uh, giving us a picture, but we fail to see the, the real scope of that picture in the fact that the Spirit of God is going to bring us together again with the people that we have loved and the people that we have worshipped with and the people that have meant a lot to us in their lifetime, the people that we wept over as they left us behind and went on to their reward. But oh, the blessed thought that when he comes again, he is going to unite us with those that have gone on before. 1 Thessalonians 4.16 clearly tells us, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. I can explain all of that. I would be wasting time to try to tell you what it might transpire. Simply the fact that we cannot fathom the power of our God when it comes to his return and his desire to receive all of us together unto himself. But I'm grateful that for that blessed hope today. For those that we know, that we feel confident, we're ready when they left this world. What a tragedy it's going to be for those that are missing. But I'm thankful today that we can make our calling and election sure. We can settle the issues in our life and be certain that whenever it comes, we are ready to meet him. As I go out on the highway many times, I stop and think of the fact that I might never get back home. You just don't know what may happen. I've tried to think of, of what it would be like to face an accident that would be uh, terribly uh, uh, corrupting or crippling in my being. And I think of the people that are suffering from those things. And we just don't know. It could be that this would be the last message I'll ever preach in this world. We have no promise of tomorrow. But that's not a matter of great concern to me. The matter of most importance is, am I ready? I want to make certain that there's nothing in my life that I've turned my back on and refused to do for the glory of God. I want to be found faithful unto death. The next thing that I notice about when the king comes is that there will be the translation for the living. In 1 Thessalonians 4.17 Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air 
And so shall we ever be with the Lord. How many times have you been in a wonderful service and you felt, I wish that it should never end? Oh, I've been in some atmospheres that I was just so content and so satisfied with the presence of God and the glory of God, the fellowship with the saints, until I I just felt like I just loved to stay there. But those times have always come to an end. But oh, thank God we can look forward to that day when it shall never end. We shall ever be in the presence of the Lord and not only in his presence, but but with all of them that have loved his appearing, that we're really looking forward to his coming and making preparation, making sure that we're ready to meet the Lord when he comes to take us out of this world, whether it be by death or by this particular act of the translation of mankind, leaving this world and rising with the dead that have risen uh, in whatever form that be, that we might forever be with the Lord. The third picture that I find is the transformation of the suffering. In Philippians chapter 3 and verse 21, Who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is even able to subdue all things unto himself. Thank God for his mighty power, that we can know that he is able to give us a new body, that we may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. Many have suffered far greater than I've ever suffered. God has been good to me, given me a good measure of health and strength, and I praise him. But my heart goes out to the many that have lived in suffering and and, uh, difficulties uh, down through the years of their life. It seemed like some go from one thing to another, continually being troubled in their physical bodies. But oh, what a blessed hope we have in Christ that we don't need to fear going to a devil's hell where the suffering will be greater than it's ever been in this world, where the anguish will be more terrible than we've ever known. Thank God we can have a glorious hope this morning that he has plans to give us a body that will be so changed by the power of God that there will never be another ache, another pain, another moment of suffering. There will never be any more anguish or heartache and sorrow. That's worth everything to me. Oh, I wouldn't want to miss heaven for anything in this world. There's nothing the world has to offer. There's nothing you possess in your life that is worth risking the possibility that it's not pleasing to God and may stand in your way at the day of judgment. We need to be careful to be sure that we are ready to meet him. The fourth picture that I see of the king coming is that there will be the coronation 
for the true and the faithful. Second Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Oh, what a sense of divine love that we can have a love for the Lord that reaches beyond anything that the world may offer us. A love and a delight that is greater than anything we cherish in this world. We must have a love that delights in the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. That we can look forward to a day when he said he will crown us. With a crown of righteousness. Now the only way we can anticipate a crown of righteousness when we meet him in that day. Is the fact that we are going to have to be clothed in righteousness as we face him. We must wear the garments of righteousness. We must live holy and righteous and godly in this present world. And if we are not living that way here and now, there'll be no reason for a crown. If we want that crown of righteousness, it is to be given to those that honor the Lord and live with that priority in mind. I want my life to glorify God in my body and my spirit, which belong to him. Oh, that we might make certain That our love is anticipating and we're thinking daily. The Lord is coming back. The signs of the time are proving to us that God's word is being fulfilled. And we need to make it certain that we are ready for that day of his appearing. When he shall give us the crown of righteousness. The fifth picture that I found in the word of God is the presentation for the faultless. Jude chapter 24. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Have you ever stopped to picture what that really is saying? To present us faultless before the presence of his glory. The glory of Christ will so penetrate that nothing will be hidden from him. Nothing will be known of of, uh, uh, are unknown to him relative to the things we have done in secret. Nothing will keep him from us facing the fact that he knows every time we've said no to God. When we've given in to the desires for self rather than to please God. He's had the, the ability to maintain the record firmly. Knowing that when we stand in his presence, the glory of God, in order for him to declare us faultless, is going to have to reveal the deepest, darkest, darkest areas of our being. 
Oh, how we need to make sure we would be so ashamed to stand in the light of his glorious presence and have him begin to question, what about this? What about that? What about when you said no to me when I spoke to you about moving up a little closer and getting more serious about serving God? I believe that that is a matter of Concern that we ought to carry, that we want to make sure that he, others may criticize us, others may find something from the human standpoint that they can point their finger and tell something dirty about you. But God only deals with the facts. He only deals with the record we have made, the life that we have lived and the manner of our obedience to him. And to think that he will say, regardless of everybody that's saying, nobody's perfect. That Jesus declares, I will present you faultless before the throne of God's glory. If we want to be presented faultless, we better be concerned about our faults. And make sure that we're obeying God in a definite pattern. The sixth picture that I find in the word of God is the commendation for the faithful. In Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10, he says, Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee the crown of life. Pardon me. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee the crown of life. I don't know about you, but when I read scripture like that, I have to reconcile that with other scriptures that are so easily misinterpreted. And I believe that this is drawing our attention to the need for faithfulness if we are going to be able to claim eternal life when we stand in the presence of God. And if I were to believe in an unconditional eternal security this morning, I would have trouble with this verse telling me there's something wrong with my relation of those two scriptures. With that philosophy, there is some very simple truths that God gives us that have to deal with those problems that are of misinterpretation. And we need to take them seriously. There's a reason why he puts this in here. And I believe that it is a matter of our being faithful in our obedience to God. And if we're disobedient and we can't be declared faithful, then I see no crown awaiting for those that have been unfaithful and refuse to obey God. I'm not here to argue with anybody. But I believe that it's important that as God reveals his truth to his ministering servants. That we throw out those nuggets of warning. 
You better make your calling and election sure. You better be able to reconcile the principles that God sets forth throughout the Bible with the interpretation that we make, especially when that interpretation is for my benefit, for the benefit of the flesh, for the benefit of of my own desires, for what I want to believe rather than what I need to believe. The commendation is to the faithful that there's absolutely no place that we have failed to acknowledge our error or our failure, our disobedience, our rebellion, that we dare not live daily with an attitude of it's nobody's business how I live or what I do. It is our business because it's God's business. He declares that he is the one that commissions us to live holy and righteous and godly in this world. And therefore, we need to make sure that we are walking in all the light that God has given us. When the king comes, we are admonished. That we need to prepare for that day. And in James chapter 5 and verse 8 he says. Be ye also patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. This verse reminds us of the eminence of Christ's return. It also admonishes us. To the concentration on two areas of our own life. The first one he mentions is patience. The second one is steadfastness. Be ye also patient. There are scriptures that speak to us about this matter. I believe that it is definitely revealed in the word that we must settle this one thing in our heart. That first of all, the coming of the Lord is getting close. It is very near, even at the door. The Bible makes clear that no man knoweth the day nor the hour. Don't let anybody begin to cause you to think that they've got the answer they've figured out when he's coming. They're liars, they're deceivers, there's nobody that knows. Jesus said he himself doesn't know, only the Father. And so don't let those kind of people mislead you and try to talk to you as they did uh, many, many times. I remember when the In 1988, when they brought out that book, 88 Reasons Why the Lord Was Coming in 1988, I was preaching in a camp meeting in New York State, and a preacher was passing out that book, giving a book to everybody. A holiness preacher was passing it out and saying, this guy's really got it. And finally, the camp officials woke up to what was in that book. And stop the passing out of the book. I read the book because I was curious to know what he had to say. But I certainly was not convinced in one bit of what he was declaring. I would hate to be in that embarrassing position in this world. Trying to say something that did not follow true to the word of God. 
Many people would become very serious about serving the Lord if they knew he was coming today or even tomorrow or even this year. I'm satisfied if we absolutely knew that he was coming before the end of this year. There are some of us here today that would begin to start really making some changes. If we really want to go to heaven. Well, I can't tell you when he's coming. I'm simply here to tell you that he's coming. In Hebrews 10 and verse 36, he further says, For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. What a tremendous support that is. But again, he expresses the need for patience as to the coming of the Lord. Don't let yourself get weary in well-doing. Don't let yourself become confused about spiritual matters because they've preached this for years and it still hasn't happened. That's exactly what the Bible says we'll do in the last days. And so you're fulfilling that prophecy if you're of the attitude, well, I just don't believe that it's going to happen that way. I'm convinced that he is coming. The king is coming. But a person without patience becomes very restless when he has to wait. And how many there are that I've heard say, I don't pray for patience. I've got enough trouble already. Well, if we don't have patience under the coming of the Lord, there's going to be more trouble. We must make certain that we have the patience to endure hardness as a good soldier. To be patient until he comes to take us out. He knows how much we can bear. He knows how long we can handle the waiting. And he has given us assurance that if we will just be patient, he will be faithful unto us. With the uncertainty of the time of his coming, there is grave danger of running out of patience. Letting the enemy distort our thinking and hinder us in our obedience. When one becomes restless, he does some very foolish things. Many a terrible mistake is the result of restlessness, impatience, just wanting something to happen and we'll make it happen only to discover we created another disaster. How we need to reckon with God's warning in his word. Restlessness promotes carelessness. Matthew 24 teaches us a good lesson about this. It says, if that evil servant shall say in his heart, my Lord delayeth his coming. And shall begin to smite his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunken. And I believe that that refers to more than people that are drunken on alcohol. But I believe that it's a picture of the people that are drunken by the things of this world. So unable 
to identify the spiritual realities of life, that they fail to obey God, and they're listening to one another. But they won't listen to God, and many times they get angry with the preacher because they feel like he's gone to meddling. But dear ones, this word gives us that warning. We need to beware of where we are eating and drinking, where we are fellowshipping with the drunken. It may be a false church, a false uh, people that are teaching a way that gratifies self, that satisfies the flesh, but it fails to meet the cleansing of the heart and life. So it's a solemn warning to us today that we would be diligent in this realm. The Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him, and in an hour when he is not aware of, because he settled it in his own mind, there's nothing to it. When you take that position in your attitudes toward God, you're stepping on dangerous territory, a slippery slope is sure to cause you to fail if you fail to mind God. Verse 51 of that lesson goes on to say, And shall cut him asunder, and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites, and there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Shall appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. What's a hypocrite? Some that, someone that professes something he doesn't possess. Someone that claims to be living to please God. But in reality will have to face the fact that most of my attitudes have been for my benefit and not for God's or for my deeper spirituality. How we need to be careful. I bring this in because of the seriousness about the coming of the Lord where he says not only the need for patience, but the need for steadfastness. We're living in a day when it's easy to follow the crowd. It's easy to look for an easier way. It's very simple for people that are out there and unwilling to pay the price to live in such a way that they can entice you and make you think that they've found the answer and they've got freedom like they never had. But oh, the seriousness when they come to face God at the judgment and are made to recognize that they were not steadfast in the faith once delivered unto the saints. We dare not trifle with this thing. God has given us a heritage of holiness and a knowledge of what it's going to take to make heaven. And we can't afford to risk our life and our eternal destiny by trifling with these little things in life that really have no significance as far as our hope for eternity is concerned. We live too much in the temporal values of this world. We need to get our eyes fixed on the eternal. He's coming. The king is coming. And he's given us clear pictures of what is going to take place. But he said you've got to be ready. You've got to be patient. You've got to be steadfast in your obedience to God. And if you are steadfast, he has promised all of these things. 
to those that walk uprightly. Thank you for your kind attention and for your prayers. I wanted to try my best to get you out in good time with service this afternoon. And so I leave you with this challenge. Oh, that you will open your heart and not only come to church, but come with an open mind and heart. Lord, I want to grow. I want to go deeper with God. I want to feel the presence of God in my life and guiding me through this troubled world. Let's learn to really look to Jesus as the only hope we have to find our way through the darkness of this day we're in. But God is faithful if our heart is hungry. Thank you for your kind attention. Let us stand together. Our Father, we want to praise you for your word. We want to thank you, Lord, for your help. Oh, Lord, we are grateful for your wisdom, for the teachings of your word that show us step by step precept upon precept, how we ought to walk and to please God. Lord, we can't control anyone's life but our own, but you can control every one of us if we're willing to surrender our will completely to you. Lord, we pray you would help every one of us that not one would be unprepared when that trumpet sounds, that not one of us would miss out and be left in the shadows and in the darkness and peril of the end of time. But oh, that we may be ready and have our lamps trimmed and burning, waiting for the coming of the Lord. Seal the truth to our hearts today. You know who needs what. And Lord, we pray that somehow the Holy Ghost will make it clear that it's not Brother Walter's word, but it's the word of God and the warning is serious because heaven is going to be a place where sin can never enter. Lord, direct us through this day. Prepare our hearts for the services at camp. Come in mighty power, Lord, and give victory in the camp. Ere the shades of night are drawn upon this day, we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen.